Friends, let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Jesus begins his ministry here. Just the passage immediately before this one. Jesus is baptized, and now we begin the ministry of Jesus in the wilderness, setting himself up for what we just heard again in this passage. Now, wilderness should often for us as we hear or we read scripture be a cue for us. The wilderness is so often a thin space where God is, where God meets God's people. The burning bush, Moses upon the mountain, Jesus removing himself over and over again, particularly in the Gospel of Mark. He goes into the wilderness to be alone and to pray. All of it comes back to the wilderness. It is in part, I believe, because the wilderness is far more difficult to control. We enter into wilderness less equipped to manage the environment. Moreover, Jesus spends this time, this 40 days and 40 nights, in the wilderness fasting. Now, whether that is a literal 40 days of fasting or if it's just a reminder because that 40 number ought to sound real familiar to all of us as we're like, what other 40 things were there? Whether it's literal or not, not really the point. But what we see here is that Jesus has made himself doubly vulnerable, both in the environment that he's in and also the condition that he finds himself as we begin this story in earnest. These kind of vulnerable moments often can expose a person and their deepest self. And so with that, Jesus is offered the tempting gifts of distraction. And it's interesting here, right? You might have missed it because we hear a lot of devil and Satan. But right at the beginning of this whole series of tests, the phrasing is no longer devil. But instead, it's the one who's testing. This is more like a proctor here in the wilderness. And Jesus is having to take a final exam after being in the wilderness. And what do you see Jesus tested on? Well, the first thing he's tested on is his immediate needs. Hey, Jesus, all you've got to do is say a couple of magic words and you, you can have some nice rye bread, I, I don't know, a honey wheat loaf, whatever you want, you can get it right there. Just, that would be great. I mean, I haven't even fasted more than like three days. So by 40, I mean, I'll take the cheapest white bread there is. If I could turn it from a stone to a loaf, I'd be ready to go. So, but his immediate needs are being tempted. And then the second thing is his very existence is being tempted. Jesus, hey, be like Jesus getting up on with, with the devil, up on the top of the bell tower. Listen. You know, says the tempter, says the proctor, if you jumped down and tried to land on Hendricks, it wouldn't happen. Right, Jesus? 
Because God loves you. Why would God do that? And did you notice, like, the proctor even used Scripture and the response? Our very existential selves, our feeling of who we are is being tempted here. So his immediate needs, his very existence, and then the appeal to his life. What is he doing? What is he there for? That third question, Jesus, hey, if you just worship me, I'll give you everything, man. It would be like getting up on the Wells Fargo building, Jesus and the devil looking around. Hey, listen, as, as far as the ocean, beyond the St. John's, heck, I'll even give you to Tallahassee. All you got to do is bow down and worship me. And I don't think we can really judge Jesus too much if he hadn't at least been a little bit curious about what he could have received. Listen, if you were bleary-eyed, 40 days hungry, and you had somebody come up to you and say, listen, all you got to do, snap your fingers or jump down or just worship me, I mean, that all sounds pretty appealing, all considered. Had he taken the stones to bread, he'd no longer be famished. Had he jumped, it would have been a physical instance of what he had just heard less than six weeks ago at his baptism, God, God's self, speaking to God's son, saying, this is my son, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased. And how often would we like to hear that and then see it enacted? And had he taken the power, well, why wouldn't you want to have control of all you see? And in varying capacities, all these kind of temptations are offered to each of us as well. We often find them offered to us when we are vulnerable. And I'd argue it's because these vulnerable moments are truly difficult. To have somebody try to appeal the thing as closest to your heart, that's a hard thing. It's why I think Lent can be something in general to be so hard to engage in. You know, most churches around the world, they'll get celebratory around Christmas, right? Yeah, Christmas. We'll get celebratory around Easter. Yeah, Easter. It's almost easier to convince people Advent is cool than Lent. Because here's the thing, it, it, it requires us to be vulnerable. We have to ask ourselves every year to go on a wilderness journey. We have to make ourselves vulnerable and respond to temptations that would distract us away from that vulnerability and famishness of it all. Well, why would we want to do that? I got bills to pay. I don't have time to figure out what's behind my temptations and my distractions. Tell you what would make me less distracted if I got my bills paid. Yeah, that's great. Why would we do this? Well, here's why. 
Jesus responds to each of these temptations with a central theme and what matters beyond the moment. Where Jesus goes back to is the core of what he believes. Over and over, he responds with the text itself, and we imagine with the conviction of someone in the wilderness for six weeks would have. At this point, given the situation, I don't think that Jesus' response would have just been simple lip service, a wave of the hand, and said, okay, we're kind of over it. When you're this tired and that out of your comfort zone, this is just simply who one is. We can often believe that we, too, are the sum of our distractions. If we took stock of everything that happened to us in this last week, all the things that came to us, proctored us and our convictions, wilderness or not, devil or not, all the things that asked questions of you, you might at some point believe that the responses that you gave were who you are. But it's not. We too hear God through Jesus Christ telling us that we are the beloved. That is at our core. Not the proctor offering the diversions and the distractions away from our core. And Lent, then, is a chance for us to clear the stream. A stream of living water that continues to remind us that we are loved, continues to remind us that we are forgiven, continues to remind us that we are bound together by something more than our circumstances and their distractions. We can find living water and clear and find our center. What are the things that drive us truly? When we are vulnerable, what stays in our hearts? At times we might be fearful of that response, but in Lent we invite one another into that journey. We ask each other to go together in these 40 days, and you know what? We might be tested. Here's the gift of the wilderness, though. It, it's that we're always cared for in the midst of it. Noah is cared for after the flood. Moses and the people are cared for in their wanderings. And so is Jesus cared for and attended to after these tests. Can I tell you what it reminds me of? Wednesday right? Standing here. And I'm offering ashes to our dear friends here in this community. And Ash Wednesday is, of all days for me, one of the most vulnerable as a pastor. Because what I've found 
is that it's an exceedingly difficult thing for me to do as I get to know you better, to remind you as I impose ashes on you that this is all going to end. That you all won't be here forever, that I won't be here forever. Faced with existential tests, sometimes it's hard. And I've found in particular over the last few years that I've been doing this, what's hardest of all is to impose ashes on my own family. Now Frankie, you all know Frankie, she has never wanted ashes on her, ever. And yet today, apparently because of a good bit amount of healthy peer pressure, so we had a lot of families here on Wednesday, a lot of kids, I imposed the ashes on Frankie's forehead for the first time. And what she did immediately after is wrap her arms around my legs in an embrace. And I nearly was unable to finish imposing the ashes on all my other dear friends. And here's why. Because in the end, that is what Lent is all about. Yes, things are impermanent. Yes, nothing lasts forever. Yes, there's tests and temptations. But sometimes what truly matters is to hug your family. To be reminded that you're loved beyond measure. We have so few moments in our lives, so few moments in our Christian calendar to say to ourselves, you know what I ought to do? I ought to clear the stream. I ought to let things go. And I will be tended to at the end. God will care for us in the midst of our wilderness, in the midst of our vulnerability. That has been a promise God has offered us since the beginning of time. Literally, when Adam and Eve wandered out into the wilderness for the first time, God knitted clothing for them. God's care in the wilderness is always and forever a promise. So we can enter this time in 2023 with a little bit more confidence. So, what's the thing that's stopping you today? What's that distraction in your heart? Here's what we're going to do. Over the next couple minutes, you're going to get distributed this uh, kind of thin paper. Here's what's cool about this paper. It dissolves right in the water. And so I invite you to take a few moments as we close our time here and as a choir sings and as we do our communion liturgy here, I invite you to think more about what is the thing. If, if you had a chance to enter into this wilderness, knowing you were going to be cared for, knowing that God was going to cover you, what is the thing you would choose to let go of? I invite you to write it on this piece of paper. And as you come up to this table, a reminder that we are always fed 
and always cared for, I invite you to drop that paper into the bowl there. What is the thing you need to let go of? To feel comfortable to receive that embrace that tells you you are beloved and God is pleased with you. Let us then attend to our Lenten journey together, slightly more unburdened as we head into the wilderness. Thanks be to God.